Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Hello, how are you? I hope that you are having the most amazing and fabulous day. I really am because I got to talk to Janet Allison. Now, I didn't know who Janet Allison was until she reached out to me about being on this podcast. And then after that, just like the universe does, she was everywhere. I saw her everywhere, all over Facebook and people I knew were talking about her. And I said, so weird when this thing happens. So I knew, obviously, that I had to talk to her. And of course, her mission really resonates with me. Janet is the head of Boys Alive. and She works on educating teachers and parents about boys. What do they need and how do their brains work? And how can they excel in school and the classroom? As a mama of a young boy, this is something I'm concerned about because I am one of three girls. I went to an all-women's college. I really don't understand boys. And then I went and had one. Now I got to figure out what I'm supposed to do with him. So I had some really useful tips from Janet in this episode. I know that if you have a son or a husband or work with men, that you do not understand. This is going to be a great episode for you. So give it a listen. I'll be back at the end of the episode. I'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome to the Notable Woman Podcast. Today's interview is Janet Ellison of Boys Alive. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I am so stoked. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I can't wait. So to start, why don't you tell us a little bit about you personally? Me personally. Well, I raise daughters, which is always like the true confession I have to give at the beginning of anything that I do with Boys Alive because people think I've raised boys and I actually was a teacher of many boys, but I raised two girls. They're grown and out in the world doing their own thing. And I was a teacher in the mid 90s. I was a Waldorf teacher and I had my first first grade was 10 boys and two girls. And that set me on my path for life of trying to understand these boys who no one had told me about how different they would be in the classroom and helping parents along the way. And what I love is that everything I've learned applies to every interaction, every relationship, every, you know, just communication for all of us, parent to child, adult to adult. I watch interactions everywhere I go. I travel a lot. So airports are just fascinating, except, you know, where so many people are just plugged into their earbuds. But when they are interacting, it's the moms chasing after the boys down the escalator and the people mover. And it's just fascinating to see how females approach parenting and how males approach parenting and the differences. And so my passion for the last 20 years has been to help all of us get along and understand each other a little bit better. And that really comes through understanding male communication, the male brain, female communication, the female brain. And it's just been so much fun to learn and share what I've learned with others and kind of see the light bulbs come on for people and for husbands and wives to realize, oh, okay, this is okay that she's that way and he's that way. And I've had women come to me after my talks and in tears saying, I think you just saved my marriage. And so that's pretty awesome to be able to serve the world in that way. 
That is amazing. And first, I have to say that my husband and I just flew with our toddler son to Palm Springs and back. And so if you were at an airport, you would have seen my son enjoying all the open space because we live in New York City. So there's not a lot of open space. So an airport is just like a free for all. So lots and lots of running you would have seen from us. And then Uh also my parents, I'm one of three girls. And so my son, you know, they only have grandsons but they raise daughters. And so they're just so confused about them. Oh, <laughs> it's very wow. Fun. Wow. That's fascinating. I love all those family dynamics. It's really fascinating. And one of the last times I was in an airport, there was a mom. Well, I've seen it multiple times of moms just telling their boys, don't touch that. Keep your hands off that. Don't. And it's like, but this is how our boys discover the world. They have to touch everything. And, you know, take it apart is even better. And to really recognize this is how they're discovering the world. I have a friend who I can relate. I have a friend who has an 18 month old boy also after she had a girl. And to see the differences in now what the boy wants to play with. He's all about switches, turning lights off and on. She's got her sewing machine there and he loves going over and turning the light on and pushing the buttons. And the girl, she was never interested in doing those kinds of things. So, you know, the old myth of, oh, you know, if you give them dolls and trucks and they'll be fine and there's no differences between genders is anybody who's around little kids can totally know that that is not true. I don't know why we ever thought that in our society that boys and girls are equal. They're equal. They're equally amazing. And they're so, so different. I can tell you my last airport fear. So I run a podcast, obviously, as does my husband. So we both have podcasting mics and my son loves them. And my big fear was that he was going to find the mics behind the flight attendant station or the, you know, air <laughs> air person. And I was so concerned that because I knew he would know exactly what to do with it. But luckily, we managed to avoid my son uh, on the mic at the airport and, you know, some sort of horrible TSA exchange. <laughs> Now, how did you first found Boys Alive? Well, I have my elementary ed degree. I was all set to be a teacher for the rest of my life. I loved teaching and was in Waldorf education for many, many years. And then I I just kept hearing from parents, moms especially, of, I don't know how to do this. And I got really interested in communication skills training. I did have a master's certification in neurolinguistic programming, NLP. And I could see NLP is used a lot in business. And I could see the connection to parenting and how important this could be for parenting. So I kind of started to put together, I'm a teacher, I love to develop content and curriculum. So I made this curriculum for teaching a parenting series called Language of Parenting. And that was a beautiful dovetail. I loved it. And yet it felt so broad to me. And I kept being called back to boys and trying to understand boys. In the classroom, I would have teachers coming to me saying, you know, I don't know what to do. Parents, again, moms mostly coming and saying, you know, like you, you know, you were raised with sisters. What do you know about boys? And so it just kept like narrowing down the funnel, just kept narrowing, narrowing. And so I created Boys Alive about, I think, a dozen years ago or so and created, I mean, back then, you know, we didn't have 
Weebly or Squarespace, we had to create our, I built my own website all by myself and figured it all out, thought I had to do it all myself, every aspect. And so I started giving parent talks and putting myself out on the web. And it just developed into a business that I knew I always wanted to be flexible in my business after teaching for so long. It's like, no, I want to be able to, you know, choose my own schedule. And my parents were getting older. And I live in Oregon, they live in Texas. And I knew I wanted to be flexible in my business. So this was perfect. And thank God for the internet, because now I can be flexible in my work and offer this valuable information to many, many more people than I could, you know, one of me to a room full of people. Now I can reach all the corners of the world. So that's just really cool. I had a woman from Botswana contact me last summer and we're trying to put together a trip to Botswana to talk about boys. And it's just, ah, it's crazy. It's so much fun to be able to expand. And you know, it's worldwide. Boys are boys in every country. There's the same issues and the same challenges and joys around parenting boys in every country. So it's um, definitely have laptop will travel. (laughs) I love it. We definitely need that on a (laughs) t-shirt. And I did almost snort when you said something like, you know, what do you know about boys? And I thought literally nothing because not only, you know, one of three girls, but then, you know, I just have always been more friendly with girls. And then I went to an all women's college. And so even now with my husband, just sort of confused oftentimes, like, what are you doing? Why are you showing off like this? So weird. And I just say those things to him. So it ends up we have a good relationship that way. But definitely, you know, to have a son, I'm so often just looking at him saying, what is the point of this thing that you're doing right now? Oh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating the things that they do. It really is. I had a friend at the time, he was 11 years old and he's known for years, you know, what my work is. And he's kind of one of my little study cases. And finally, he got old enough that I could like ask him, why are you doing that? What is that about? And He was 11 at the time and we were walking and there were those big Queen Anne's lace flowers. You know, they have the big lacy white flower head Mm -hmm. and he had a stick and he's just walking, just hitting those flower heads as we're walking along. And it's like, what are you doing? And he said, oh, they make the coolest sound. They pop when you hit them, which I hadn't even ever picked up on the sound. You know, I'm looking at the stick and you're hitting a flower and what's with that? And they just make the coolest sound. Like, of course, I would do that. Hit it with a stick so I can hear the sound. So yeah, so you know, there's some interpretations we need to make for our boys and our men also. And I feel like so much of this information, while it applies to our boys, is also so important in our communication with not only our most significant other, but all men that we work with. You know, why do they come in and they just get to work? Don't they want to socialize and talk about their weekend? Well, actually, no, they really don't. They just want to get to work because they're single focused. And so we women can take that personally. And I think a lot of what so much of what this information does for women is to realize, oh, we don't have to take it personally when he is doing 
that thing that he does. You know, he doesn't do it on purpose. He doesn't remember what we talked about last Friday night or forgets the grocery list or all those things. He's not doing that just to make us mad. It's just the way his brain is designed. So we can stop taking those things personally and just recognize, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's how he is. So now we have to flex and adjust and adapt and make it work. Now, let's dive into some of those differences that you see in the classroom. What and I guess we'll just go with sort of like school age boys, elementary school age. What are some of those differences? Well, oh, gosh, <laughs> here we go. This, I love this stuff. So, I mean, we can talk about school age boys, but the thing is these and I'll give you three key differences between the male and female brain. And these are because we can do brain scans now, we can see that there are structural differences between male and female brains. And also you have to think of male and female brains on a continuum. And in the middle are what is called bridge brains. So it's a female that might have more spatial capacity. So like a female architect or a male who has more verbal skills, like more verbal development, and he might be an author or, you know, some kind of writer, lecturer, talks a lot, loves to talk about emotions. So it's not black or white. There's about 20% of the population that are bridge brains and could be male or female. So, you know, I mean, and then you have to overlay family dynamics and personality and temperament and all those things. But there are these basic fundamental differences that if you know about them, then you can kind of apply it in all situations. And so one of those structural differences is in the male brain, there are fewer places to process verbal language. So there's fewer places to process words. And you can see this. I have had so many moms tell me their middle school age, high school age sons will say to them, mom, just tell me what you want me to know. And it's like, give me the facts. I don't need all the details, all the emotions, all the backstory that goes with this one thing. And because it overwhelms the male brain, the male brain has fewer nerve fibers between the right and left hemisphere, which changes the processing speed, slows it down. So you've got less places to process the words and kind of a slower processing system. We're talking, you know, split second, but still a little slower. And so what happens to our boys? They shut down or they get goofy or they have a meltdown if they're three or four years old and you've overwhelmed them with your words. And I mean, ask any adult male, they'll just be shaking their head like, yeah, just give me the facts. I don't need all the details. They just want to know the one thing you want them to know. But for women, for females, we love to talk. We process while we are talking and we process really fast. We have a lot of verbal centers and it connects to our emotions, sensory detail, really, really fast. We can put it all together really fast. And, you know, we make decisions while we are talking about the three different things we need to decide. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. You yeah. are totally describing yeah. me. Oh, God. Is it, it's crazy. Yeah, I absolutely do that. I think 
through my problems by talking through my problems. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how does your husband feel about that? I think he mentally checks out. And so because I get annoyed if he tries to tell me what to do while I'm thinking, a.k.a. Uh -huh. talking. Yeah. And so we come to this nice, happy place where he just, I think, finds a little happy place and lets me talk and then comes in at the end again to hear what I decided. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. how we work. Yeah. Yeah. And as an adult, he can do that checkout. But for your boy, he's going to, you know, have a meltdown or ignore you or, you know, get really busy doing something else. So it's for us as females to recognize that, to calibrate, just adjust and go, okay, well, this is an experiment. I'm going to try just saying one word, backpack to my boy when he's, you know, ready to go to school in the morning, just say shoes and not do all the filler talk that we love as females. You know, it's in us. It's our oxytocin and our estrogen, and it makes us love to talk and connect in that way. And males just aren't there. So it's an experiment. So next time, you know, you want to over talk things with your husband, just try to give him just the facts and not all the details. It's interesting that you say this because, you know, so as I mentioned, I think before we started the call that my husband stays home with our son and I work. And he and my son have this great way of talking to each other. And my husband just says the one word, you know, or the <laughs> phrase. And uh -huh. so I'm obviously, as we've talked about, super talky. And I've picked that up from my husband that I know if I want my son to pick something up, I just need to say, you know, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. And, you know, not. Or maybe only say pick you... it up once. Well, <laughs> He needs a little encouragement uh, with okay. you. But if I say, you know, something longer, you know, Malcolm, could you please pick up the pen that you dropped or something? Yeah. He definitely is oh, long yeah. gone. Long gone. So that's relationship changing right there. And another one that is such a key difference between males and females is eye contact. So we as females love eye contact. We get a hit of oxytocin every time we make eye contact with someone. We don't have to say anything. We just make eye contact. We love it. It feels so good. So, of course, and, you know, we have a society where we value eye contact. So what do we do as parents? We'll say, look at me when I'm talking to you. And it's usually when our kids have done something that we're not so happy with and we want to make sure they hear us. So we want them to look at us. But for boys and men, eye contact is not as comfortable as it is for females. And it goes back to hunter-gatherer and how our brains evolved. And as hunters, if you, you know, if an animal looked you in the eye, you were under threat. So even now, our brains have not evolved that quickly. Eye contact can be perceived as a threat, and that puts them, males, into fight, flight, or freeze mode. So we as females then need to be okay without having eye contact, especially around something emotional. So, you know talking with your husband on a walk about something that's emotional that 
you know, requires him to find his feelings and his words to go with those feelings is much easier if, number one, he doesn't have to look at you. And number two, his body is moving in some way. He might just be like playing with a pencil or you could be standing side by side washing dishes. But doing something and not having to make eye contact allows him to find his words much more easily and not go into that fight, flight or freeze place. I would say, you know, we're in New York City, my husband and I, and are absolutely our best conversations are always on walks. Yeah. So it doesn't have to make eye contact and we're moving. You're moving. That's interesting. Yeah. So getting attuned to that for children, you know, and of course, and so I said this and one mom was like, you know, so I don't ever want him to look at me. And, you know, it's like, no, don't take it that far because we do value eye contact. And so it's a training and it's helping them get comfortable with it. But it's not when it's heightened emotional, you know, you're in trouble, look at me when I'm talking to you kind of place. It's those other conversations at the dinner table. And in Waldorf schools, the teacher shakes the children's hand at the door in the morning and the afternoon, hello and goodbye. And it's so fascinating because those first graders, the boys, they do not want to look at you. That's just like painful to make that eye contact. But through the years, you see them develop this ability to stand and shake hands and look into the eyes of the teacher for that moment. And by eighth grade, I mean, it brought me to tears in the past to witness this beautiful connection between the teacher and the students and making eye contact. But it's not a natural, comfortable place for males. And I had one dad, it was perfect. He said, you know, I tell my wife, if she wants me to listen to her, I can listen, but I can't look at her. If she wants me to look at her, I can look at her, but I won't hear what she's saying. So I tell her to choose one channel, either eye contact or hearing her, but not both. That is really fascinating. So the other one that I kind of alluded to, touched on a little bit, but is physical, that males must be physical. If you think about the hunters, they travel 12 miles a day. They were not sitting still at a desk and listening to learn. They were moving. They were touching things. They were making traps and weapons and figuring things out on the move. And so our boys especially process they're learning through movement, through being able to touch all the science equipment before they do the experiment or take something apart or simply to be able to move their bodies as they're processing what they're learning. I advocate for stand-up desks. It can really help boys process all. I mean, what is school? It's so much auditory. It's so much verbal. Talk, 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 talk. And our boys are overwhelmed, but that movement, having a squeeze ball or being able to, you know, play with a fidget or a theraband, something like around the legs of the chair so they can flip their feet can help him actually listen better than if he's required to sit still. So that physical movement helps him connect to his limbic system, to where his emotions are, to where his words are. And it's just crucial that we get more recess and before school activities in place for our boys so they can be primed and ready to learn. 
Gosh, that's almost a whole podcast episode, isn't it, about recess and how Yeah, yeah. All these things taken out of school. Yeah, and movement. Part of that too is like if he's had an emotional conflict or a meltdown or something, often we as parents and teachers will want to solve it right away. You know, make your apologies, make it right and move on. Because we just want to get, you know, check it off, make sure everybody's okay and move on. But boys often can't process that right away, that conflict or whatever it was. And it might not be until bedtime until he's able to talk about it. And often it will be bedtime because guess what? You're laying down, the lights are down, he doesn't have to make eye contact, he can find his words at that time, and he's had time to process through his body. Wow, this is all awesome, and I feel like this would really help my sister with my nephew also. Hey, well, let's let her listen to the podcast. (laughs) I'm going to definitely (laughs) recommend it to her, because I know that my nephew just entered kindergarten. And so there's all of these different challenges with that. And so she's not really sure what to do in many cases. So, And that is a big place where I advocate. So I'm also a family coach. I work one-on-one with parents and often it'll be parents of preschoolers, kindergartners. And all of a sudden, I mean, kindergarten is what first and second grade used to be. And now it's in kindergarten. And this is so important. Your sister needs to hear this. Boys are a year to a year and a half behind girls in their development, in their verbal development, in their fine motor skills, in their physical development to be able to sit still and listen to directions and make their bodies do what the teacher wants them to do. So often in kindergarten, there becomes a big disconnect and the boy is, you know, getting in trouble, sent to the principal's office. And it's simply because he is not developmentally ready to be required to sit still on the carpet in this little square with kids all around him. Boys need more space around them. Boys need to touch other kids because, you know, that physical connection. And so we see a lot of parents under stress in kindergarten, first grade, because often the boy just isn't developmentally ready for what is being required of him in kindergarten, which used to be first or second grade. Which again, fascinating, right? How did that happen? Yeah. And girls are kind of the gold standard of education. And the thing is, preschool teachers, kindergarten teachers, early elementary teachers, what are they? They're all female, like 96% female teaching educators during those ages. So here you've got all these females that don't understand boys. Some of them get boys, and that's awesome. But a lot of them, you know, they want those kids to come in and sit still and be quiet and listen. And that's not where our boys are at those ages. So then boys become disruptive. They're trouble. Oh, we better have him tested for ADHD because he can't sit still. Well, he's not designed to sit still. As a kindergartner, he's designed to move his body. Excellent, because that's what he does. So that's good. Yeah, totally normal and appropriate. But we've created this schooling system that does not match our boys. And so we set them right off the bat. We set them up for failure. And it's crazy making. I've worked with parents who, well, one parent 
had five-year-old twins that were being expelled from their preschool for behavior. And they came to me, you know, completely thinking they were horrible parents and what was wrong with their kids. And as we discovered, these boys were in a very small, like close environment, not a lot of outside space. And we chose another school for them. And those teachers, not even knowing what had happened at the other school, they're like, oh my gosh, these are model students. They are amazing. Well, the environment, the kids didn't change. The environment changed. They were in a place where they had more space and more opportunities to move their bodies. That's awesome. Yeah. So then just give us a look into how do you teach this? Do you work with parents? Do you work with schools? Do you work with teachers? What's the mission behind Boys Alive? Oh, so I travel. I do professional development for teachers so they can understand what their boys need in the classroom. I work with parents one-on-one. I do online events. And I want to tell you about that one, the one that's coming up soon. And I travel, give parent workshops, parent talks, and have a podcast once a month, Boy Talk. And we have a really active Facebook group and trying to get the word out locally, nationally, internationally about this work. I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Boys Alive, Bring Out Their Best. And it's changing relationships. You can see already how you might be viewing your husband and your son differently and being able to adjust and understand their communication style, which is different. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just different. And we need to understand that difference. Amazing. I just want to double check a few housekeeping things. Can I get your book on Amazon? You sure can. Awesome. Make sure I'll link to that. And your Facebook group is great. Obviously, I'm in it too. So I'll make sure we link to that. Good. And then podcasts. Are you on iTunes? No, I just do a monthly. It's on my website. And actually, I'm redesigning that now. And I'm looking for, I mean, my striving is I sit behind the computer. I wonder if you feel like this too. I'm just like, I just want more connection with my people and talking to parents and teachers. It's just so enlivening to me. And so looking to do more online coaching, group coaching and one-on-one coaching. Now I'm going to run through some of my favorite questions I ask everybody. Okay. My first question for you is what is the biggest assumption that people make about you? Oh my goodness. You didn't prepare me for these. <laughs> I know I'm tricky. Oh, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> biggest assumption people make about me. Wow. Can we come back to that? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't have an answer right off the bat. I really don't. Interesting. So what would be one takeaway you'd want people to get from this podcast episode? So many takeaways. The one takeaway is just, you know, if you're a woman listening to this, look around at the men in your life and the boys in your life and give them some grace and educate yourself. You know, we are different beings and we need to be able to understand each other and As females, I believe that we have the capacity and the interest and the ability to flex and adjust and educate ourselves. And so we can all have deeper, more connected relationships. I think I'm going to make myself a little meme that says give grace and flex because I love that. That's great. I say that. (laughs) You did. You said both those phrases. I love it. 
Nice. Now, do you have a book you would love to recommend to the Notable Woman audience? Well, of course, I recommend my book, Boys Alive Bring Out Their Best. But you know, the other book that really set me on this journey was a book by Michael Gurian, and it was a New York Times bestseller back in the 90s, which is crazy, sounds so long ago, but it's called The Wonder of Boys. And that book really was the foundation of my direction and my work, and I work with Michael Gurian now. And I think it gives a really solid base for understanding gender differences. And so that be my top recommendation to start there with The Wonder of Boys. Awesome. Now, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? You can email me at Janet at boysalive.com. You can hop into that Facebook group. If you just search Boys Alive on Facebook, you'll find me. Contact me through my website, boysalive.com. I am here and you know, so much your advocate and your cheerleader and your champion. I, if you're having trouble, you know, like your sister with her boy and have questions, please get in touch with me. I can connect you with resources and articles and we can do some coaching together. Don't suffer in silence because there is help. And it's really mainly about just understanding who he is and how he operates. Awesome. Now we're going to come back to the tricky question. Do you have have an answer about what assumption people might make about you? I do. And my very best friend made this assumption. We met this a while ago. And my girls, I mean, my daughters are 31 and 28. And she has five-year-old twins. And her assumption about me was that I was a perfect parent because my girls are so awesome. And she thought that I never yelled at my kids. And the day that I told her about some of the yelling that I had done when my kids were little, she burst into tears because she thought she had been such a horrible parent yelling at her kids. So that was a huge assumption that my very best friend had made. So yeah, no such thing as the perfect parent. And we all yell. And again, it's that grace and the balance of you know, more loving than yelling, but you know, we all have emotions and it's what you do, you know, how you make it right after you lose it with your kids, because you will. So there. Yeah, my brain was working while we were talking. (laughs) (laughs) Very nicely done. Just like a woman, you can totally think about the two things and talk. You could see a brain scan of a male brain at rest and a female brain at rest. Imagine This female brain is lit up, like electrified, about 80% of the mass of the brain. A female at rest, that's us at three o'clock in the morning. A male brain at rest, about 20% of the brain is lit up. I think probably my greatest moment as a woman or really came into my own understanding was that when my husband and I were having a really sweet moment, used to ask you know, years ago, not recently, but you know, what are you thinking? And it would always be nothing or I'm hungry or let's get sandwiches or whatever. And it would irritate me. But I slowly realized that that really is what he's thinking. <laughs> it's really they okay. They think about nothing. I had one dad say to me, yeah, I get home from work and I go for a run and I decide what to think about or I don't think about anything. 
And I'm just standing there going, you get to decide what to think about. You know, we're just like this barrage of things. We can't ever not think about anything. But yeah, men truly can go into a rest state and think about nothing. It is true. They do. And we don't. So. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> what would that be like? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much. I think this is an invaluable episode and I love all the resources you mentioned. I'll make sure I include all those in the show notes and I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. It was fun. Hello, my beauties. I'm back and I hope that you really enjoyed that interview with Janet Ellison of Boys Alive. I know I really did. It really opened my eyes about some things that I had sort of understood, maybe, but not really. It was great for her to put words to them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back with you again next week. Bye for now.